Get ready. Welcome to the Weekly Cooldown. I am Kami Jace, your host for another episode. Paul is off this week. He's not feeling too well, but I'm sure he's going to, you know, jump right into The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom anyway, so he'll feel, he'll feel better. It's fine. If you're joining us for the first time, this is the show where we get to know the gaming news of the week and we get to know our guest. It is episode 188 of the Weekly Cooldown, and it is May 12th. Let's jump right into these headlines. I've got a fun guest, uh, my, my one of my go-tos, um, who I always love to have on, and I'm very excited to chat with him again. So, without further ado, let's go. Uh, headlines. Idol Showdown is a new fighting game on Steam that pits VTubers, specifically from the Hololive production, against one another. The game seems to be pretty legit as a fighter, and even has the one thing most fighting game enthusiasts love, rollback netcode. The fighting game community seems to be taking the game fairly well, with about 2,500 reviews trending into very positive on Steam. The U.S. Navy is apparently training sea lions and dolphins to play video games. In a press release straight from the Navy itself with the headline, The Navy's Sea Lions Love Video Games, the Navy boasts that a sea lion named Spike is quite an avid gamer. Spike and other sea lions are, according to the Navy, able to control cursors on the screen and maneuver through mazes with some ease. Now, it doesn't seem like sea lions and dolphins are playing Elden Ring or Destiny 2, but it does seem like they are somehow seeing benefits like weight management and improved health and cognition. It does not seem clear what the end result of these training and research is, drones, but according to the researchers, the sea mammals are enjoying their video games for now. In AI news, IBM chief Arvind Krishna spoke in an interview with Bloomberg about potentially pausing hiring on 7,800 positions that Krishna believes can be replaced by AI or automation. According to Krishna, HR duties can apparently be handled by AI. IBM just added 7,000 new employees in 2023 and employs somewhere around 26, excuse me, 260,000 employees. 7,800 in hindsight may seem small, but it is 7,800 people who may lose out on opportunities. We'll talk more about AI and about employment in video games after headlines. And indie JRPG called Chains of Echo saw massive review bombing suddenly, despite being released five months ago. Normally, review bombs are due to something wrong with the game, the company, or even some kind of social or political commentary made by someone adjacent to the game. But according to the publisher Deck 13 and Michael Haas, who is the head of product at Deck 13, there was no reason given, just low numerical ratings on Metacritic. Uh, Haas tweeted at Metacritic to let them know that their game was being review bombed, but without any context. Metacritic seems to have fixed the issues. Chained of Echoes, uh, Chained Echoes now has a 90% score on Metacritic, but Deck 13 and Haas pointed out that Metacritic has, in the past, said that they wanted to try and mitigate the potential for review bombs and contextless reviews. Haas said that he hopes review bombing changes in the future because while 
bigger AAA titles, and publishers may be able to handle the damage done, quote, a smaller indie title can really suffer there. And those are just some of the headlines from this week. If I missed any of them, uh, you can always tweet at me at Gaming, tweet at me at WKCooldown on Twitter, and uh, we can talk about it there. Or visit the uh, the Commujace Gaming slash Weekly Cooldown Discord server where I sometimes talk to y'all. <laughs> we had an interesting discussion actually about uh, game reviews recently. So yeah, we talk, we talk. Um, who's my guest? Who's my guest this week? Paul's not here to like do the banter with me. So I got to jump right in and get someone else in here to talk with me. Well, who are you? No, hello, hello. It's did you need a, a guest? Yeah, I did. It is I. Who are Willie the Kid? Willie the Kid. Willie the Kid. Uh, hey, uh, tell me, tell me who you are. Tell the tell the people who you are again. Yeah, for for those who may not know who I am, I am uh, Will, aka Willie the Kid, aka One Solo Player. If you follow me on social, a uh, longtime fan of the podcast, and caller. it seems yeah, first time caller, <laughs> longtime fan. Um, I think it's it feels like it's been like a. Uh, every every year, I at least appear on the podcast yeah. at least once. There's a <laughs> there's a certain group of people that I really enjoy having on, and when I need someone really bad, I'm like, help me, help me, friend, yeah. please. And so, so yeah, you know. I, I fall back on Willie a lot. It's great filling in my my not at all contractual obligation. One, I, one I wouldn't time even know how appearance. to how to write a contract. I don't even know what those are. How do you spell those? It's like, hey, you haven't been on the podcast this year. Uh, yeah, you got Come on, we need to make it happen. I, I'm like, I okay. do, I do kind of do that though. Like, if I, I go through my list of people, I'm like, oh gosh, let's see, and I'll see when the last time, like, I either hit you up or the last time I uh, had you on was, and I'm like, okay, this one. <laughs> this is the it's one. been a while. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, been a while. it's been a while. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Happy to, you know, always fill in. Willie, Talk about nice gaming stuff I think and whatnot. The last time you were on, we discussed how you have begun working at Bungie, or have you been there for a while now? No, so that's that's crazy because the last, the, I mean, last year uh, was when I around the time I had just started at Bungie, mm-hmm. and so recently I just passed the one year uh, mark at Bungie. So it's been, it, it's, I'm still in love as, as much as I was the day that I first started, uh, learned a lot already, you know, getting, it's like getting to that point where everything is now it's being in the swing of mm-hmm. things where it's like, okay, now we got to start all over. So you know what it's like, great, cool. You know how to do yeah. them. And all the, all the expectations they're in. Yeah, and I think that's the exciting part as well for just generally everyone because as you know, every the studios you know growing and mm-hmm. you get like new people in who started last year. Now it's this year. It's like, oh, it's about that time again, and we're just like, okay, great, let's back do this. <laughs> we all know what it is now. We were here before, mm-hmm. just new stuff. <laughs> very cool, very cool, very cool. Um, what can you tell us? There's got to be something you can tell us. Uh, what season Bungie of the thing? Deep? What? Okay, okay. <laughs> season of the Deep is launching. Uh, we all soon. knew that. <laughs> we <laughs> right, all knew that's that. That's what I can tell you. Season of yeah. the Deep begins May twenty third. Um, mm-hmm. 
We mm-hmm. all knew that. They tweeted it th- this afternoon um, mm-hmm. as of this recording. So, uh, so there you go. <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all I can say. That's it. That's yeah, that's, that, right, that's, that's right. it. What, mean, what what else are you asking have for? You, except- I need secret news. I need all the secrets. What do you and your coworkers do when you're not working? <laughs> that kind of thing. Season of the Deep will be the next season. <laughs> uh, in Destiny 2. How about that? That's so funny. <laughs> um, well, what do you what do you, can you talk about what you do at Bungie? What is what is your title? What is your role? <laughs> Yeah, so I I I um I am on the marketing side, um, and basically a just a lot of what I do is help a lot of the uh, assets that you see. So like the trailers, mm. product pages, things like that. Uh, I have a, a, a big hand in. Um, so just in general, just in terms of marketing, a lot of the things that you see, um, I've had a hand in. Very cool. And so it, it's it's always great seeing that that process of starting from the bottom. Now we're here. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So you're already on to the next whatever new season is probably going to pop out, which is oh, called yeah. uh, <laughs> season of the deep. <laughs> sure. That's it. Yeah. Um. That's that's cool. That's cool. Do you, um, so did you put the tweet out saying that Season of the Deep is coming out May 23rd? Or is that Mm -mm. like, ah, that's... Mm -mm. We have, we have so many other talented uh, folks that, like, that work in, you know, community and social, and I'm sure you've seen several of their faces. Um, Mm -hmm. That is not, that is not me. We have other people who are more, who are, like, well-versed in all of that, where I'm like, y'all do that. Yep, yep. I'll be over here helping get it all together. Very good, very good. Get it all together, make it wrap in a nice tight bow. And now, then that's it. <laughs> because of all of the cool marketing things that you are doing, um, do you have any time to actually play video games? Oh, absolutely. Great. It's it's so crazy because like working in the industry, you think that it's a um you think that it's like, a, oh, you, you, you lose the love of the passion from working on it. And it's it's definitely not like that mm. for me. The only thing I would say is it gets to the point. So like right now, as we're getting ready for Season of the Deep, it gets to the point where I'm like, I know what's coming and I just want to play sure. it. I want to see what everyone else is like, you know, like, oh, my gosh, this is exciting. So it's just like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, have you been playing Destiny too while you've been working, or are you playing something else? Oh, I've. I mean, I've played. Of course, I'm, I'm playing. I'm playing Destiny two all the time. Mm-hmm. But recently, um, my mom has gotten into gaming herself, Ooh. and so I've seen her transition into a gamer uh, thanks to Disney Dreamlight Valley. Mm. Um, it was it was one of those things where um, I had got a, a basically I had got a second PlayStation Five, mm-hmm. and so I sent my first PlayStation Five to California with her, um, so that whenever I like travel back and forth, I'm like I don't have to lug a PS Five, mm-hmm. I can just you know 
it could just be home efficient. and everything. And then when I go, I can play it there. Very efficient. Um, but rather than just having it sit there, uh, my mom decided that she would just kind of like, I- I'll play on it. So her first game that she like made on her own in her decision uh, was to play Disney Dreamlight Valley. And that basically was the catalyst to like her needing to buy a second controller because she would play it for a long stint of time. And uh. how she has it set up, she's like, I can't I can't keep the controller connected mm-hmm. in place so I need a second controller which then <laughs> turned into her getting a Nintendo Switch Lite because she's like I went when I travel I need to you know keep up my valley mm-hmm. and I can't transport with PlayStation so I have to play it on the Switch and then we had to start having the conversation about the difference between cross save and cross play cross progression and all of that wow and then that eventually turned into like the moment next after that she's on youtube she can name some of her favorite youtubers who talk about disney dreamlike valley then she's talking about twitch drops and she's like you need to go to this list of people to get these twitch drops and i'm just like who are you woman like (laughs) a brand (laughs) new disney you literally turned my mom into a gamer yeah Um, very serious i feel about this oh very serious serious Um, about her disney dreamlight i am currently trying to talk her down from um because her thing is like i don't know now i feel like i want like a regular switch now because with the switch like there's like um there's like you know you can't remove the the joy cons Mm. and you know there's certain limitations um but in the eventual conversation of having her build her own pc and everything she's like i want to be able to you know like dock uh dock my switch and uh be able to play that on the on the screen and stuff so maybe i need no no i'm 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 against giving her a steam deck like she does not need any more other consoles because (laughs) the amount of time that she has spent in dreamlight valley already i'm just like i need you i need you to not mother yeah I just need Slow you to Slow it die. down. I'm always very she, she, um, excited <laughs> when, like, the... I, I don't want to say older generations, but I guess the older generations get really excited about uh, mm-hmm. a newer video game. Um, because, you know, they'll go on about how, like, things have changed since, uh, you know, Super Mario or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just play mm-hmm. it, though. Play this one. You'll like it. I promise. No, and that's and that's the thing, too. It's like... Gaming has always been in our household, in our Mm -hmm. our family kind of like dynamic video games. There was always a console in there um, in the household. Um, And so some of the games that I remember she would play is like uh, like Mortal Kombat was like the old school, like Sega Genesis, like Mm. just mash the buttons and, you know, you'll be fine. Um, And then another one that she was like really big on was Gauntlet Legends. old school game but she absolutely loved that game um but those are the only games that i remember she would actually like take like a, a hand in like if i'm gonna play a game if we gonna have this family game night we're playing God of legends <laughs> um and it was like okay sure, great sure, sure. and so cool, like cool. to yeah, go yeah. from that and it was crazy because like before she got into Disney Dreamlight Valley. I had like this mini session of it was like the last time I was there during uh, last year during Thanksgiving. Mm. 
I tried to teach her how to play Destiny 2. Mm. Um, and it was one of the most hilarious uh, experiences. Sure. Uh, have like someone like, you know, dealing with first person and, you know, that whole thing yeah. and Control- using the, the thumbsticks. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was like she, her, the way that it was, she was always like looking up and I'm like, no, 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 look down. You got to look ahead. And it was either, she was either looking at the ceiling or looking at the floor. Uh, yep. So I was like, we, sure. need to, we need to find another game to get you started and with it. look where we are now. That was Dreamlight Valley. Dreamlight and now Valley. she's, uh, she knows about Twitch drops. Does, so. uh, does Mickey Mouse follow her around like a creep? No, she, I mean, her whole thing is she knows how to like, it was crazy. So like when she first hopped into it um, and we have like our weekly calls, Mm -hmm. uh, she was like, I need you to teach me how to pick up a barrel, like pick up like an empty pot. Okay. And I'm like, I don't know how to play this game. I don't even know what game this is. How am I supposed to help you pick up a pot? Yeah, how dare you? And so now she's like, no, so what you need to do is you need to put in these codes to get your gift um, and make sure that you're going in there, going in your mailbox because, you know, we finished the community event. So you need to pick up those rewards and make sure you do this and that. And so now there's certain things that she's doing in that game where it's like she's informing me. She's telling you. That's so funny. And I'm like, the tables okay, have that's turned. Great. Yes, now it's now it's up to her to be like, this is what she should be doing, and this is what's upcoming for the next patch. And I'm like, okay, great. I still got other things I need to finish in Destiny before the new season starts. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> very cool though. I love this. I love this. Um, this new dichotomy that's that's happening here. This new <laughs> this new reality of yours where. Mom's in charge of the video game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's bound to happen. I'm the I'm I'm like the the one in the family that just like really just like took charge and was like, yep, gaming's my life. So this is it. And mm-hmm. you know everyone's all supportive and whatnot. So I'm like, I love it. You will always love it so long mm-hmm. as you are at Bungie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being a marketing whiz kid. Oh, you know, it's just a little bit of this. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Very good. Very good. Well, we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into uh, some really wackaloo news stories. And then we're going to go over some gaming history and, and talk about it together. So stick around, uh, grab a drink, some tea, maybe some coffee if you're into that. I don't know what time it is when you're listening to this. And we'll be right back with more show. Remain calm and please stay in your seats. We are experiencing pirate activity. Oh, there's just some, um, something happening. Um, what? Them. Um, them. Oh, no. <laughs> At the outer edges of space, where union is but a whisper, humanity scrapes together a living amongst the stars. This is the story of four Lancers, talented pilots of mechanized chassis from all corners of the known universe, thrown together by circumstance and destiny, and credits. Follow Macha, Moxie, Roadkill, and Silver, led by me, Reed, your Game Master, through the Lancer system, a mud and laser style anime mecha RPG. I hope they brought some printers with them, because this is Bring Your Own Mech, an actual play Lancer podcast, and batteries are not included. 
follow my heading, and I'll see you there. Hey, Tim, do you like horror movies? Why, yes, I do, Matt. You want to hear two ridiculous horror fanatics discuss all the scary movies that just came out? Wait, you must be talking about our podcast, Happy Horror Time. You bet your ass I am. Oh, clean it up, Matt. No, see, that's the best part. On Happy Horror Time, you get uncensored and unpolished reviews of all things horror. We find all the latest releases, we watch them, and then discuss them in our real talk kind of style. A.K.A. We're crazy! Uh, that too. And don't forget, we also interview classic horror stars and insiders asking them all the questions you've always wanted to know but were afraid to ask. <laughs> like when Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp told us how they found her stand-in for that big reveal at the end. Yep, you gotta listen to find out. Check out Happy Horror Time, a podcast for horror lovers. Or anyone who just wants to have a good time. Because anyone can have a happy horror time. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. So, we're going to get into these news stories, and uh, <laughs> they're a doozy, man. They are a, a doozy. Um, each and every one of them, from China to back in the United States. And China is where we're going to start. So, Chinese media has reported that the Chinese police have arrested a man who allegedly used ChatGPT to create a fake news story. The news story was spread online. Uh, this is perhaps the first story we have heard of a person being arrested for their AI usage. The article, which spread around April 25th, claimed that there was a train crash in China around the province of Gansu, and nine people were killed. Cybersecurity and police were able to pinpoint the poster to his company, his company that he owns. Police seized the man's computer and searched his home. A statement from police said that the... A uh, man named Hong confessed to using ChatGPT to produce the story, that it, and and that his crime is quote picking quarrels and provoking trouble, which can land Hong up to five years in prison. Picking trouble, picking picking quarrels and provoking trouble, is his crime. Um, spreading fake, literal fake news, is uh -huh. is considered uh -huh. picking pick, pick picking quarrels yeah and provoking trouble That's, it is it is definitely it a, is both and very apt like a way of saying you spread fake news therefore you must go to jail but it also sounds incredibly petty does that like <laughs> does that make sense well, yeah, but see, and that's the thing, because more of, I think of it as provoking trouble, because it's one thing to be like, hey, you know, I was just testing it out to see, but to, like, maliciously mm. create a fake story and put it out there in terms of, like, the whole, I, I think of this in America's term as, like, a, oh, I was just joking. And yeah. it's like, no, you, you weren't, there's a, there's a line of, I was just joking versus I was 
directly trying to be uh, a public menace. Like there's there's joking using yourself at an expense at as like at the expense of yourself versus I'm going to put out this fake story because like and that's the thing. It may be a joke to you, but if someone's reading the story in a name that you develop actually happened to be sure. a name of someone reading it, and mm-hmm. it's like, wait, that could have been you know a family member of mine, a loved one of mine. Um, yeah. which, you know, goes into that whole different, it's just the whole, just the whole AI conversation. I, I could, I, I have thoughts and feelings. Oh, about I'm it. sure. And I'd like to get it's into the, it. Um, it's the, uh, I think some important context to add is that he apparently, uh, produced this story after talking with his friends on WeChat about how mm. using, uh, you know, popular viral stories could, um, influence clicks and therefore get him some money um because as we know you know as as many clicks as you can get on some some uh platforms it uh, equates to a certain amount of dollars um Mm -hmm. i also wanted to add in the idea behind like the kind of deep fakes we've been seeing which are always produced by ai as uh lately um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where we have like trump and biden playing minecraft together and it sounds just like them but it's you know it's fake right of course they're not playing Mm -hmm. minecraft together i hope i mean maybe (laughs) that would be kind of fun actually um and those kinds of things where you see even the kind of deep fakes where they're videos and they are miming somebody of some big importance saying something you know uh provocative or otherwise untrue those people I don't think, at least, have not seen consequences um, mm-hmm. to the extent that China has gone after this man and said, like, congratulations, you're going to jail for five years for picking quarrels and provoking trouble. Um, so with that in mind, like, what are some of your AI hot takes? I mean, for me, it's in general with AI, like I don't want to be that person that's like, I'm just totally against AI because I, I, I've always wanted to be like, if I can have a personal assistant on the same level as like Jarvis from Marvel Mm. or something like that, where it's like, I, I have like a, a, a digital assistant who can literally anticipate my every need or have like a conversation with me that is actually like beneficial and helpful. I love the idea of that. Uh, What I don't like the direction that we are moving down is that we are looking to AI as a substitution for work. Yeah. Uh, Just like you mentioned before in the story about, uh, you know, like IBM saying, ooh, AI can just do like HR just can just do HR in general. And it's like, it's crazy because it's like, you think of something like that and it's called human human resources. Yes. (laughs) And yet you're like human resources. That's automated, uh, technology. Go to chat GPT for your human resource. Right. And it's like, especially with something like that, where for me, I'm like, yes, I feel like, you know, our basis of how we work and how we've always worked with technology is like, hey, this technology should be helpful to whatever work environment, whatever work process it is. That was the whole idea behind automation as far as I've 
you know, grew up to believe it was supposed to be an asset, an extension, not a substitution. And just with the way that everyone is kind of just like utilizing AI like chat GPT Mm -hmm. and where it's like it's disguised as this whole it's a joke. It's fun. I'm using it to, you know, write all these different stories and everything. And like, I'm just using it just as like a fun tool to see like the capabilities of it. And it's like you it may seem like a joke now, Mm -hmm. but especially if it is like a learning like I look to like all those other stories where it was like Facebook had two automated, you know, AI kind of like chat bots. And then right, they yeah. started talking to each other. And then they were like, so we're shutting this down right. because they're mm-hmm. talking to each other in a language that we now no longer can decipher. Right. Um, it's just that whole, like, I don't think, I, I think our relationship with technology is of this, like, we are in control. Like, we're always in control and we're going to use not. it. I, Right. Yeah. And it's like, you don't know what you're feeding it and what is being, what chat GPT is learning. Like we have this surface level of like, oh, well, it's just learning from what we input into it and stuff. And it's like, yeah, but like the, the speed at which it seems to be learning and the, right. the way that it seems to adapt goes beyond what we as humans can do. And that should be frightening to people. It's and it's like, it's, it, Yes, it's frightening, but also it's just like for me, it's really just in in the whole idea where it's like we when we approach like technology and AI and everything, I think we just have this sort of like instinctual like human nature of like it's just a joke. It's just for fun and not really taking a step back and thinking like, okay the information for one that I'm putting into this, that it's going to use this as like a processing tool. I shouldn't be putting that information in whether it's as a joke or not. Like it's okay. If it's like, you know, Hey, the purpose of this is just like fun and stuff. Like I think for like chat GPT, if it was like a, you know, how early people were using it as uh, something where it's like, okay, respond to this message. How would you respond to this message in this way for like human conversation? I feel like that is like a lower level kind of like if you if if you're the type of person where it's like, I have horrible conversation skills, so I'm going to have chat GPT mm. converse for me. It's like, well, why would you do that? But then to kind of like extend it on the levels such as, you know, like in you know businesses and like even here now where it's like hey i'm going to create a news story a fake news story for the purposes of like you know baiting people and to think of this like oh this there was a horrible tragedy then it's like it's not fun anymore and i wish we as a world had kind of like a tolerance of like it, it's what were you going to say? Because I was going to go down a, a really like random <laughs> like, path of like, this is why this is like a. So, what were you going to say? I, I, I think when we start getting into kind of content creation, whether it's factual or otherwise, is where we kind of get into a, uh, a rabbit hole, right? Because mm-hmm. you get, you know, we get, we, you get the art things happening where they're clearly copying off of styles made by humans, right? Like if there was no human to make that art, then the AI would have nothing to copy. So it's clearly copying someone else's art. And that's 
you know, that's a certain kind of ethics. But then you have um, the kind of economic and monetary uh, pieces of it, where if it's now writing your stories, or like in the case of Ubisoft, where they are coming up with an AI to um, to write dialogue for characters. Usually it it says it's just going to be backfiller kind of dialogue, but I mean, what's to stop Ubisoft from using it for anything else? Um, and, and so on, you, you get into this kind of like, well, now you're taking away jobs. Now you're causing kind of economic strife, right? It may be good for the company, but it's bad for the worker. Um, and it's part of what, um, the writer's guild is, is striking about right now, right? They are uh, afraid that, uh, these big corporations, uh, these film companies are going to start replacing them with like chat GPT. And I think that that is something to be really afraid of. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't care how good it is online. There's no way chat GPT is going to do better than a, a bunch of humans collaborating in a room together, um, and, yeah. and putting words to paper and making your movie or your whatever. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, um, I look at this a lot from the worker standpoint, um, because I know that like any chance someone gets to replace a worker with some cheaper labor is gonna, is gonna go through, go forward. Yeah. It's the, the, what I, the, the kind of like the tangent I would, I was going to go on Mm. was like, especially when we think about like our uses of technology in different programs. So I was looking on Twitter and, uh, one of the, uh, folks that I follow, there was kind of like a notification in Washington where, um, you know, like the whole exposure, uh, back when, you know, when COVID was like at its peak and Mm -hmm. it was like, Hey, there's different features where we will let you know if you've been exposed or you've like been in like a high exposure area. Right. Um, there was like this image that they shared where it was like, you know, after this date, we will no longer, uh, share if you've been exposed or not. I think it was just like, a, oh, we're just going to shut this down because, you know, d- d- depending on who you ask, like COVID is like no longer a thing. And it's like, no, that is not the way that you should be thinking about that. Um, but I think I think to that where it's just like, OK, so you have a a pretty useful tool, a pretty useful technology tool where it's like, there, there, it only has like one function and this function is like everlasting. Like there's, if it can run on its own and essentially just communicate with things and be like, hey, you're, you were exposed to something. I don't see why that is a bad thing or why we should want to take something like that away versus these other things where it's like, okay, people are just being like super crazy with the technology. There's, there's a limited understanding of, you know, what are the long-term effects or having yeah. people who actually know what they're talking about? Like, what are the long-term effects of this? Is there, are there things we can do where it's like, okay, and as industries, just as you mentioned with the writer strike, are there certain industries and certain conversations we have to have with industries to ensure that you're not going to use this technology to start pushing out people from jobs? It's like, you know, it's one of those like weird conversations where it's like okay you're forcing the people out of like jobs where it's like okay you're using this technology to like 
push writers out. But when ChatGPT or whatever AI software that you're using, because it's going to start with ChatGPT, the makers of ChatGPT is going to be like, oh, you need a lot of money to use this software. So then people are yeah. going to be like, but we'll make our own AI. When your own AI cannot do but, the job yeah. of a writer, who are you going to hire right. yeah. in order to fix it? You're going to fix, you're going to have to hire writers, those same writers that you fired. And then you're also going to have to hire tech people to actually sure. make sure that your chat AI bot or whatever and, is actually then, doing their and job. And then pay them no money anyway. <laughs> right. And it's like there's this whole thing of trying to like go around and try to implement solutions that like have no money. Like, oh, we're going to save so much money. And it's like. For who? <laughs> just do what you've been doing. Yeah. Like just pay people a livable wage because you can and just. Be done with it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so frustrating. And very, it's it's an easy fix, but they want, you know, they want to do it the hard way. Um, mm -hmm. Just because something mm -hmm. else has come around and it looks easy. Um, well, while we're on this employment ramble, let's go into our mm. next story regarding Ubisoft, who I just mentioned not too long ago. Uh, Ubisoft confirmed this week that a round of layoffs are on the way, with about 60 positions between the Cary, North Carolina office and the Newcastle, United Kingdom office being lost. One affected now ex-employee said that he and the others were laid off without any notice. Uh, there have been many tech layoffs over the past few years, and even more recently in the past few months, uh, with Unity laying off 600 people, Xbox and Take-Two Interactive have also laid off many over the past few months. Mm -hmm. First thoughts? It's sad. No, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's sad. Um, I can only offer my condolences and hope, you know, like those talented folks, it's, uh, for me, that's just been one of those things, like working in the industry and seeing how 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 much work everyone puts into the work, no matter what mm -hmm. they do, especially at like game dev studios. It's always it, it's always sad when you know you have to say goodbye or anything like that. Um, I just again offer my condolences and hope that you know those folks are able to hop into their next adventure as soon as possible. I'm very curious about what the reasoning is because I've been seeing not only just tech layoffs, but like a, a, a real large number of other sectors having uh, layoffs recently. Um, the nonprofit sector has had a lot of layoffs. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm wondering how, or if this is trickling down somehow, um, and who who's starting it, right? Like, I can't imagine at this point that Ubisoft, being the kind of billion-dollar company that it is, cannot um, pay its workers properly, right? Um, and I, I would like I, I would wonder what those overheads look like, what the rest of the budget looks like, because if it's one of these cases that we've seen, especially in tech and um, some other businesses like banks, where, you know, the top few people, the top executives are getting these massive bonuses, um, mm. but everyone else is getting laid off or otherwise let go somehow or, you know, they're getting cuts and you can't do this anymore and blah, blah, blah. I, I like I would like to know what Ubisoft is looking like right now. I can't imagine that with a bunch of new games on the way, they're hurting for money, you know? Mm. 
Yeah, no, I mean, for, for me, it's always, and this has just been one of the things that I've just like learned in order to like help keep my mental sane. It's the, you know, if, if there is information about that, um, you know, like conditions and everything, if they're offering those, I, I tend to think that, uh, or, or tend to want to like draw conclusions from the information that is presented. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, like those kind of things, like that you're mentioning was like, I would like to see, you know, like profit margins yeah. and all of that and see what's going on. It's like, so would everyone. Uh, yeah, yeah. But realistically speaking, will will a company be that transparent and be like, this is how we've, you know, this is how we've had to kind of adjust to market conditions and all of that. And this is how this was a result. Um, more than more than likely, you're not going to get that information. No. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and like I, a slim chance to none. I guess that's why I'm being very accusatory in my term, uh, my tone, um, mm. because I'm, I'm very, I, I'm just curious about where it all comes from, right? Like, the nonprofit sector, for the most part, I, I think I can understand, right? If you rely on grants and donations and things like that, you know, times have been tough for the little guy. Um, so I can kind of understand if you're hemorrhaging some money because you're not getting as much in donations or grants um Mm. but again for for these bigger companies like did y'all try everything before the layoffs right did you (laughs) did the executives take a little cut right uh, you know did everyone come down in lifestyle or was it just the people at the bottom um Mm. and again this is my like worker soapbox i think but it's (laughs) It's always very curious to me that, you know, it's not like, yeah, we laid off one or two people. It's 60 people were laid off without notice. You know, it, it mm. that's not like, that's not, uh, we need to save a little money. That's, we're saving money by cutting the lowest denominator that we think we need to cut to continue, you know? Um, and it feels wrong and bad and stupid. <laughs> one of those we'll we'll never know but you know or or maybe one day they'll decide this is why it's like okay well GameSpot, pc gamer (laughs) etc let me do an investigative piece for you i can do it (laughs) i promise i can do it i'll i'll do it all i feel like with like it being an investigative journalist i i mean can't you just be like a i'm a i'm an investigative citizen of my own oh maybe maybe you're right (laughs) Hoping you can talk to me and, you know, start up your own blog. And it's like... I'll do it on my my own. I'll do it on my own. (laughs) They'll have no choice but to listen to me. Because I have the news this time. Um, Well, we'll move on to our last story for this episode. Again, another kind of employment thing. But this time a little Mm. weird. Um, it's very weird. It's very weird. <laughs> I'm glad you also said that it's weird because I think it's weird. Um, Mr. Beast, known for having a lot of money and known for grabbing a lot of attention with YouTube videos where he spends a lot of that money doing stunts and deeds, has apparently also been using his wealth to buy houses for his employees and their families to live in. The houses he's been buying up are all in a cul-de-sac in Greenville, North Carolina. He owns now about five out of six of these houses in North Carolina and also uh, bought these houses straight from some of the people who are already living in them. Um, And 
would also house Mr. Beast himself as well as his own family. Um, there was a post mm-hmm. I saw about this that said, oh, so feudalism, right? Mm. And I was like, oh, is that that's actually kind of a point. Um, there, this isn't new, really. Um, aside from the feudalism point that someone made up, um, there were also these kind of company towns that uh, used to pop up um, in our in our history. Um, mm-hmm. Elon Musk actually did this as well. Um, so, like. It's it's in our history somewhere, but it still feels weird to do now. The only the only time I feel like it is acceptable for a business owner to do something like this mm-hmm. is as a gift. Like I can I can imagine kind of like a, a Mr. B style video where he's like I'm going to pay off the mortgages of all all the folks who work for who who work under the Mr. Beast umbrella. If he wants to keep that separation sure. of like a, my employees and doesn't want to call them like do like a special episode where it's like I'm paying off the mortgages of everyone who has, you know, helped out with, you know, the Mr. Beast enterprise. I say that because what is so creepy about this is that you're basically relocating or doing like a forced relocation of everyone who works for Mr. Beast has to live in this section. Like, I don't know the details. I don't know if he's offering them like if you need a place to stay, if it'll be easier, come live here. Um, I I don't know if that is the dynamic. So from what I take from this is kind of like in the same vein of, you know, what Elon Musk wanted to do, what, um, Uh, what's that Mark Zuckerberg was doing in Hawaii like buying up properties and was like this is where like you know like all my friends or like all you know like the co-workers are going to be working it's like it I feel like it it's weird but also it imposes problems Mm -hmm. because like if you're telling someone like if you basically had like this forced relocation thing and then they stop working for you are you just going to kick them out? Like, yeah. is it like, oh, I'm buying up these houses, but my name is still on the title. Right. So it's, you know, I'm I'm not buying houses for them. I'm buying houses with the purpose of them living in them. And so still that they're... working for me. Right. Like, okay, so you, you, you just want full access to your employees at any given time, which I get it. Content creation, but like. It's very strange. That's weird. It's super strange. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's it, it also feels hard to criticize, as as does most of his content, right? Because he just did something where he used his money to apparently cure a, a thousand people's blindness, which is, like, mm-hmm. very cool, but also you used it for content creation. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, at, at what point does this become... Like this, the the uh, the PC gamer article that we're taking this from. At what point does it become charity porn? Um, yeah, which I think is a very apt way of describing this. Um, where he's doing v- like undeniably very cool things, right? And he's even said that he wants to use his wealth to open up a bunch of like homeless shelters and food banks, 
by the way, you could just buy people houses and like give them food. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you don't have to open mm-hmm. up homeless shelters. You could just buy them. You know, just go buy an apartment building and put them in it. But anyway, um, he <laughs> he's saying that he wants to do these really nice things with his money and with his channel. But it's like, okay, but you're using these people for <laughs> for your clicks and your money. So it's a very weird, vicious cycle. It's it, it. I think in terms of what the content is, I think that it is a fine. It's a fine line, and again, one of those like information is like needed. More information is needed because like I don't think anyone is going to doubt that curing anyone of like you know either blindness or I know he had a more recent one about like uh, curing or helping uh, deaf folks uh, get hearing again. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just one of those, like the idea itself, and especially when we all know what healthcare in America is yeah. like. Um, I think if he framed it in that kind of stance, where it's like my video about these kind of like me helping heal these, you know, these um, conditions. But under the guise of let's talk about healthcare in America in like splicing the footage mm-hmm. up with like, you know, the trade, the, the average medical debt in America is this much dollars, you know, like in, in, in f- injecting those facts in the video to kind of like get people to understand like this is not OK. I think that is different than what I've seen of like the um where he was where he was uh like providing hearing to some deaf folks where it was like yeah we uh we 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 helped you know a thousand people uh get care of their uh you know cure their deafness and then we also gave them ten thousand dollars oh and then this family we also gave them a jet ski oh and then we uh, we took this you know this young girl we took her out for shopping after yeah and it's like it feels like america's home videos for the less fortunate and that's when it starts to lose like the point of this because yeah. in those type of videos it's like it should be the focal point at the end of the day should be like we help these folks who are in need because america's healthcare system let them down sure. but you took it and was like okay we'll do this but then we got to spend some more money yeah 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 and that's when it starts to get like a it feels weird. And then when you take that on top of the fact where it's like, okay, now I'm spending money on homes for people who work for me to live under. It's like, so they don't even get a chance to decide on where they live. You're not, you're not buying them houses just as a thank you. You're, you're, Expecting you're buying them to the live land in these houses. <laughs> and right. also again, continue to work for you. Right. You're buying houses just so that they have somewhere to live quote unquote rent free as long as they work with mm-hmm. you because I uh, honestly doubt uh, and this just an assumption I honestly doubt that folks will be able to still live there if they decide eh I don't want to work for you sure. anymore yep we're gonna so. move on to the history section of this show but I did want to add some context for the listener who may not know much about Mr. Beast Mr. Beast kind of started as most of the more successful um uh, YouTubers did like Markiplier and PewDiePie and those people, right? They were all on YouTube and kind of on Twitch. Started out with a generous amount of followers and then kind of blew up into something larger um, than they probably ever thought they would be. But Mr. Beast is pretty special because he started when he was 12. 
And according to him, his viewer count went from um, at 12 years old, 15,000, which is a lot for a 12 year old, in my opinion. Um, And then it dipped when he was 13 to 7,000 and then shot way back up to 41,000 and then has every year just kind of doubled and doubled and doubled and tripled to now to the point where he is 24 years old, younger than me. Uh, with 19 trillion followers on his YouTube videos um, and enough money to not only buy, um, you know, buy people houses and cure deafness, um, but um, enough money to uh, give give away, right, uh, whenever he feels like it, about $54 million um, right now. Um, who knows how that can balloon over the next few years. Um, again, he is only 24, so he's got a long life of doing this ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it feels weird. And that's what's going on there. It's very weird. We're going to switch to this week in gaming history, taking substantial releases and events, and just kind of chatting about them a little bit. Um we're starting with uh, this week, May 7th. Uh, a console called the Vectrix was released in 1983. I don't know anything about this console. I I've, have no idea what that is. I've never heard about it. And so, I don't know her. Shakes head, smiles. I don't know her. I don't. Um, it, uh, it was made apparently um, by General Electric. Um, Oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. General Consumer Electronics, different. But then mm. was uh, manufactured later by Milton Bradley, um, creator of many, many uh, board games, but also the Vectrix, apparently. Um, I don't know anything else about this console. Um, I've never heard of it. It doesn't seem like it had a long life. Um, I think it was released in 82, um, and then it was discontinued in 84, so a pretty short uh, lifespan as far as uh, video game consoles go. Um, but yeah, I, it would have cost about $500 in today's dollars. Um, mm-hmm. 200 back then in the 80s. Um, but yeah, that's Interesting. the Vectrix. Um, some kind of weird thing that no one, <laughs> nobody knows about, I'm sure. If you know about the Vectrix, please tweet at me. I need to know more about it. Um, May 8th, game development studio Inti Creates was born in 1996. Inti Creates would go on to produce games like Mega Man Zero and about 10 other Mega Man titles. Um, you play Mega Man? No, I was just looking at that and was like, I I played, I know I played a Mega Man level. Um, <laughs> I've done a Mega but, Man. Right, I know what a Mega Man is. I've I've seen Mega Man, but like actually playing like a Mega Man game. Mm-mm. They've made other games. Um, have you played the Mighty Number no. Nine? Mm-mm. Okay. Nope. Okay, I'm gonna find one. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Did you play? No, there's no way you played any of these. To be quite honest, they they made a lot of games that were um, kind of popular with folks who like the anime of certain games. Um, Crayon Shin Chan. They made a video game for. Uh, that came out for the Game Boy Advance. Um, I'll, again, lots and lots of Mega Man titles. Um, a game called Fantastic Children, a Naruto game. So like you know, tons and tons of games. Um, Damn. But none of which made it really 
big time, I think, in the uh, United States, at least. Um, but yeah, Inti Creates, maker of all your Mega Man things. Uh, May 9th, the Xbox 360 edition of Minecraft releases in 2012, making it 11 years old now. Uh, this would be the start, really, of seeing Minecraft become a little bit more popular than it already was since its 2011 release. 2011, Minecraft has been out for 12 years. Wow. And eleven years on the on the Xbox 360, and it's come a long way, and it's gotten rid of a nasty Nazi man, right? <laughs> as its uh, CEO now, Microsoft owns Good it. Good for them, and they're <laughs> and they're doing crazy things with it. Crazy stuff. That's crazy. You play Minecraft? Um, I have a love hate relationship. Honestly, with same. Yeah. Okay. It's it's one of those like I'd, every so often I will try to dive in to give it a chance, but then it's just like, mm-mm, what's I the? I, I can guess what the love part is. What's the hate part? The the hate part of it is just like it just after a while it just gets to like why am I doing? Yeah. This? Okay. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> for me, what it's is the point. For me, it's part of that, and it's also like. If you have enemies on, I don't want to play it. The mm-hmm. the enemies, for some reason, are very scary, despite the fact that they are just blocky whatevers. And the noises they make, they unsettle me to no end. And so I'm like, never mind. Is it nighttime in this game? I'm going to leave. No, I remember the first time, like, when I there was, like, a moment where it was like I was really into Minecraft and I was just playing. I was like, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to play it. Um, I was not aware that there was like that certain bat kind of creature mm-hmm. that starts attacking you if you do not go to sleep. Um, so there was like a couple of like a, in Minecraft days, it's like if you stay up a couple of cycles without resting, there'd be this like bat thing that like is flying over you and every so often it'll dive down and attack you. And I remember the first time I encountered that. And I was scared like crap. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was just those things where I'm like, you know what? No. Yep. Mm-mm. For me, it's I'm just any of the monsters. Is there a creeper near me and it's making a weird noise? I don't want to play. Is there a well, spider? I don't want to play. If yeah, I go into like... a cave, I don't want to. And it's dark. I'm not going down there. You go down there. I'll be up here. <laughs> It's like the spiders and all of that. Like I can, I, I can understand like that. Okay, it's like oh, okay, it's a little scary and everything. But like creepers, it's come to that point where they're not even scary for me anymore. They're more frustrating. Yeah. Because if I don't catch on to that, the creepers there, it's like they're either going to mess up my stuff or they're going to explode and kill me, and then all my stuff is just going to be all on the ground. And it's usually that happens in a place where I'm like, I can't just go back and be like, oh, let me just revive and pick all my stuff up. It happens like in the middle of a cave, in the middle of nowhere, and I'm like, there's absolutely no way I can get back here. I just lost everything. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I can't, I don't know. Love Minecraft, hate Minecraft. Uh, mm-hmm. May 10th, Custom Robo for the GameCube released in 2004. The game is now 19 years old. I did not play this, but I know of many people who did. And it's like a, it's like one of those cult classic type things. I was going to say, I haven't heard of her either. Yeah. <laughs> Custom Robo, <laughs> people like it. Um, I believe it was mostly a Japanese game and maybe a TV show 
or I might be misremembering that, but um, I do know of people who were like really into it. And it was one of those games where like, you know, you had to be on GameStop on a random Wednesday while it was raining to go find it. Um, but if you found it, you really enjoyed it. Um, and it's also got those like kind of crazy kooky anime characters that everyone loves. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of Gundam-esque in a way, too. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I just find it kind of cool. Interesting. Interesting game. Uh, May 11th, the Sega Saturn releases in 1995 with two popular classics, Virtua Fighter and Panzer Dragoon. It's weird because my introduction with Virtua Fighter was on PlayStation, I believe, mm. with Virtua Fighter 4. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Um, you skipped all yeah. the other ones, including the original. Yeah, no, it was like I literally just because I just remember the going up to like loading up the video, loading up the game. And it's like Virtua Fighter 4. And then it's like it, the menu does the menu and the music comes in. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is like Tekken, but different. <laughs> it would basically be the groundwork for Tekken. Yep. Oh, OK, OK. Virtua Fighter came first, and then Tekken was like, oh, yeah, we can do that, too. Oh, okay, because my first, like, outside of Mortal Kombat, my first introduction to Tekken was Tekken 3 Mm. with Eddie. Yes. Um, My sister, she loved playing with Eddie. I was, I I remember I was the girl. One of the girls. uh, Which which girl? (laughs) Um... I want to say she, I think she was like, she kind of looks like Chun-Li, but not Chun-Li. That, that could be a lot of people. Right. Now that's going to, hold on. Let me see. That could Let be me a see lot the of characters. Three roster. <laughs> Uh, let's see. It could be. It could be. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I have her in my mind. I do not. I do not. A Chun Li esque character, not Anna, not Asuka. Um, Ling. Oh, yep. There we go. That was Ling. Yep. That was that was my girl. That was my girl. Um, Were you good in Tekken or no? Okay, great. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I love Tekken. I think I'm um, a pretty good king, but uh, it's been a while since I've played, and Tekken 8 is right around the corner, so we'll be getting right back into that pretty soon. It's like, I've been seeing things about Tekken 8, probably not the things that developers like, (laughs) this is what you should be focusing on. (laughs) I'm like, well, hey, (laughs) as a marketer, if it works, if it's going to sell units, then, you you know. You gotta see it. Gotta look at it. Watch all the trailers. (laughs) <laughs> Ta- uh, May 12th uh, Arc System Works is founded May 12th, 1988 35 years ago now Arc System Works, of course uh, Responsible for Guilty Gear Among other um, fighting games uh, Lots of lots of fighting games That's probably why Because I was about to say Well, whoever they are Congrats on them yeah, yeah. Five years in the industry is yep. great Guilty Gear, <laughs> DNF Duel, um, the Uniel games, um, Undernight in Birth, um, all all those fighters that you know and love, all of them. Sure. <laughs> well, congrats to Arc System Blast, Works. Blast Blue. Uh, I'm trying to think about what what else there is. Um, 
the cross tag battle, blast blue. Uh, so many, just so honestly, just way too many fighters, but, but, um, a lot of anime fighters, a lot of anime adjacent games. Um, they're a very cool company too. They seem to put a lot of love into, um, the games they make and, uh, Mm. it it shows with Guilty Gear's crazy ass lore and, and all the things that it has going for it. So, um, if you haven't played an Arc System Works game, go pick one up. It's, it's a good, it's a good time. Um, and, okay, okay. and finally, May 13th, Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars is released in 1996 for the Super Nintendo. If by now you did not know that there was a Super Mario RPG, you now know that there is a Super Mario <laughs> RPG. And you have to find a way to get it. Because it is... I think it is unknown by a lot of people, and it is perhaps also underrated um Mm. i got to play it when i was younger and i was like wait a minute why does this exist and why is it good it like it felt it almost felt like a fan game in a way because there are some things that are not like well-known mario lore in it um okay but it it's such a good well-done rpg I mean, you say Mario lore uh, happens in Super Mario RPG, but have you seen the Super Mario Brothers movie? No. No, you haven't. Okay, I'm so happy that I did not say what I was going to say. <laughs> um, Big spoiler. I mean, it wouldn't have been like a bad spoiler, but there's there's certain elements of the Super Mario Brothers movie that like I saw it and I was like, no, this is a, actually like a really good movie. It's funny. It mm. has something for like... For me, it has something for every kind of like audience. Like if you know of Mario, you'll look at the movie and be like, oh, okay, that's pretty fun. If you're like a gamer, it has different moments of like, oh, that is like this Mario game. And then they have this that Mm. was like a tribute to this Mario game. Could there be an RPG? Is there an RPG? I'm not I'm not familiar with super mario rpg so i'm i'm saying maybe there is but like from how i process the super mario brothers movie like they definitely take certain moments to like pay homage to like of course like you know like super smash brothers and um uh the the mario kart things like that where if you're in gaming and you know of the mario games you can be like oh yeah okay And then, of course, because it's, like, bright and everything, the kids will love it. <laughs> because it's bright and everything, the kids will love yeah, it. Yeah! It's bright as colors as, ooh, that's Mario! Okay? <laughs> Things are yeah, moving love. on the screen. Kids will love that. Absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. All right, so that was our history for this week. As we move along toward the end of the show, we always ask you, Willie, to give our listeners a recommendation. Which game should they be playing or be on the lookout for? Um, not at all uh, a contractual obligation or anything, mm-hmm. but season of the deep. Season of the deep, May twenty third. <laughs> it's coming soon, yeah. So uh, you know, always going to plug that, and you know, great stuff coming. Very excited. So two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks. Do it. That's um, exciting. I haven't played it yet, but I'm very excited for The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew nothing until the recent trailers that they dropped about this game. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, many people didn't. Um, 
And from everything I've seen from the trailer, I'm really into it. And from everything I've been hearing from the few reviews that I've skimmed, I'm I'm very excited. And so I'm going to recommend, like, if this is like your first foray into Zelda, give it a try. It might be a, it might be your, and it may not be your last is what I'm trying to get to. Um, mm-hmm. So give it a, give it a go. Um, and finally, of course, to finish off this episode, please let us know where we can find you on the internet. And if you have anything else to plug. Um, nothing to plug, uh, but you can find me on Twitter uh, at one solo player. Um, that's where I, you know, just that's where I one live solo nowadays. Play. Almost. Oh. Yeah, one solo player um, on Twitter. Um, usually, where I'm at uh, in my little my little uh, corner of the internet. Um, but yeah, that that's it. Super duper awesome. All right, as always, you can find me at Common Juice Gaming on Twitter, and you can find the weekly cooldown as well at WK Cooldown on Twitter. Be sure to visit the weekly cooldown Facebook page and visit WKCooldown.com for more news and other episodes. And be sure to uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Remember that doing so, right, tricks Al Gore into giving me money. (laughs) What? That's not what algorithm means? Okay, hi, hang on. Mm. I'll figure it out. Um, (laughs) Be sure to check out the links in the description, including, of course, our Humble Bundle for this week. And remember that you can support your favorite charities and support the show. Our logo and art is done by Corgian. Follow Corgian on Twitter at DoghouseCorgian. That's D-O-G-H-O-U-S-E-C-O-R-G-I-A-N. DoghouseCorgian on Twitter. And our intro music is done by Riki. Find Riki on Twitter at dog underscore noise. That is D-O-G underscore N-O-I-S-E. That is all for the weekly cooldown. I am Kami Jace. I am Willie. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.